you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. We're going to look at chapter 6 this morning as we're in a series. This is our fifth lesson on spiritual warfare. And as I look around at our world today, you know, some people say, what in the world is happening? Let me tell you, what is happening, folks, is in these end days, in, the, in these end times, in these last days that we're living, Satan knows his time is short, and him and his demonic forces, they are in, in this spiritual battle they've been within, you know, the heavenly realm ever since Satan was cast out of heaven. And what's happening in these latter days is they're escalating their spiritual warfare. And we as human beings, we as creations of God, we especially as the children of God are caught in the middle of this spiritual battle. And if we are going to be victorious, we've got to understand the weapons that God has made available to us. And we have to be willing to uh, uh, put those, those weapons and those, uh, that armor on on a daily basis. Basis. Now, last week, we saw that it's very important to understand the wiles of the devil. As we saw in that study, wiles simply means the tricks or the manipulations that Satan throws in front of us. They're designed, these wiles of the devil are designed to deceive us. They're designed to ensnare us. They're in die, they, 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 he uses temptations. He uses threats. He uses lies and intimidation in order to trap us and cause us to give in to his evil. One of the schemes he uses that we looked at last week was challenging God's word. You remember with Eve in the Garden of Eden how Satan came to her and he said, did God really say you can't eat from any of these trees? In other words, he was challenging Eve with the word of God, did God really say? Now, by him saying that, it caused Eve to reconsider what God had told her. She knew exactly what God had told her, but by Satan coming there and challenging God's word, it caused her to re-examine the clear teachings of God's word. And folks, when that happened, uh, happened then and it happens today, what happens is we have our own interpretation of what God has really said. And let me tell you, he goes to twist in our minds. The second scheme that we looked at last week was challenging our identity. In Luke chapter 4, we saw him doing the same thing to Jesus. Remember in the temptation out in the wilderness, he come to Jesus and he said, if you're really the Son of God. Now the key there is if. And just like he attempted Jesus, you know, with the challenge of his identity, he does the same thing to us. When things are not going our way in life, when troubles, when trials, when tribulations come into our life, he challenges our identity by coming to us and saying, well, if you was really a child of God, would this be happening to you? Now, let's be honest. Have we ever, you know, thought those thoughts? In other words, when things weren't going our way, when we was in bad circumstances, when it just seems like our world is falling apart, have we? Let's be honest with ourselves for a minute. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But have we ever said, would God be doing this to me if I was really one of his? Can I tell you where that thought come from? It came from Satan challenging your identity in Jesus Christ. He'll come to you and say, if you was actually a child of God, he would help you out of this. If you was really a child of God, he would pull you out of this. 
And you see how he can get us doubting our identity in Christ. The third way we saw last week was offering a, tempta- uh, offering a tempting alternative to obedience. In the wilderness, in Luke chapter 4, that's exactly what he did to Jesus. He said, you know, I can, you don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to go through all of this stuff you're going to go through. You don't have to go through the crucifixion. I can give you this whole world. I can make all of this yours without you having to go through what you're going to go through. You know, what if you could take a shortcut, Jesus, and possess all of these kingdoms now? Look, one of the most sinister wiles of the devil involves his ability to offer a religious-looking alternative to what you know God wants you to do. Okay? He, he, he offers you this religious-looking alternative. You know, you don't really need to go to church to be spiritual. You know, you can worship God wherever you are. You know, don't, don't, let, them, don't let them trick you into saying you need to be in church every Sunday. Don't let, don't let them tell you that, you know, the Bible says, you know, uh, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Is that really what the Bible says? You see how he uses these wiles, these tricks, these things to ensnare us to get our focus off of God. Listen, folks, partial obedience is no obedience at all. And the fourth thing we looked at last week was how he can take and he can twist the Scripture. We saw that also in Luke 4 in the temptation of Jesus. Satan took Psalm 91 and he threw it at Jesus and he quoted, uh, you know, uh, Psalm 91, yet he twisted it just like a pretzel you know, to leave out key parts of the Scripture. You know, and, and, and we see that even today, folks, with these prosperity-type preachers or teachers or these false prophets who they quote Scripture, but they quote it out of context in order to make it uh, go along with their selfish, misleading ways. They use just enough of God's Word to sound authoritative, but they're twisting it for their personal gain. So let's today... Let's get started today. Let's look at the full armor of God. Every, every message so far, we've mentioned the armor of God, the armor of God, the armor of God. So let's get on with the armor of God and see exactly what it is that God provides for us, our commander-in-chief makes available to us to help us fight this unseen enemy, you know, that we are in a battle with every day. Let's begin by looking at this first piece of armor we see in Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the key word there is the whole armor of God. Don't just pick and choose what you want to put on. He says, put it all on. Everything the commander-in-chief is offering to you that makes available to you, put it all on. Don't leave not one piece off. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, Take unto you the whole armor of God. He said that twice already, hadn't he? You think he wants you to put on everything? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now look at verse 14. First of all, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. This is the first piece of armor that Paul says to put on, okay? 
Paul's encouraging us here, you know, if we're to be victorious, when Satan comes at us, not if, he's coming after you, okay? So he says, when Satan comes after you, when these wiles of the devil come after you, and again, not if, then we, we must put on the full armor of God, the full armor that God has provided for us if we are going to withstand this battle. Now, there may be some of you here this morning that's never been in a spiritual battle. If you're not, you're not saved. Because if you're saved, you're on the front lines. And if you're on the front lines, you're right in the middle of the battle. So when these battles occur in your life, when Satan just seems like he's just dumping all the hell upon you, understand that's good news. Because that means you're in the army of God. Understand that that means you're on the front line. So don't look at it in a negative sense like he would want you to look at it by saying, if you was a child of God, this wouldn't be happening to you. Don't let him discourage you. Don't let him get you down. They're happening to you because you are a child of God. So, you know, Paul, so Paul's encouraging, when these things happen, put on the whole armor of God. The first thing that Paul wants us to put on here is the belt of truth. Verse 14 there. The belt of truth, first thing, put on. He says, having your loins girt about with truth. The, NIV, uh, the New Century Version words that like this. Stand strong with the belt of truth tied around your waist. Tied around your waist. This belt of truth that God is providing. You know, Paul says, tie it around your waist. Tie it up tight. It's got to be there if you're going to withstand. If we're to understand the belt of truth, it's important to, first of all, understand just what truth is. Over in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth, okay, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Okay, on the other hand, Jesus also said of Satan in John 8, he said, Satan is a liar, and he's the father of life. So the main thing that Satan does when he comes at you, when he attacks you, he's coming at you with lies and untruths. And he's trying to deceive you. This is one of the wiles that he uses. And if we're going to win that war, folks, we have got to tie the belt of truth around our waist. We have got to understand what truth is. And it's a sad thing because many in our churches today have no earthly idea what truth is. That's why so many within our churches today are falling for the lie of Satan about same-sex marriage. Well, you know, people ought to be able to marry who they love. Then go marry your dog, okay? Jimmy, you love your dog, don't you? You post pictures of her all the time online. You know, I'm not telling you to go marry your dog, but, uh, you know. But you see, that's what, that's what Satan says. You should be able to marry someone you love. Folks, that is a lie. God created man, God created woman. God said that's the only two sexes. And, and again, this, <clears throat> I'm going to get off of this for a minute. How can a man one day be a man and the next day identify as a woman? Therefore, he gets all the rights as a woman. How can a woman one day identify as a woman and the next day identify as a man? That, it just don't make no sense. But see, that is one of the lies Satan has gotten this society to believe. And as a result of it, folks, <laughs> this whole world has gone crazy. 
And it's all because of this spiritual battle that we're in. Satan is a liar, Jesus said, and he's the father of lies. If we're going to be able to overcome his lies, we've got to know what truth is. And folks, truth is in the Word of God. Truth is the Word of God. Okay, let, let, let's dig into this just for a moment. The, truth, the word truth in the Greek, athea, it can be translated three different ways. First of all, truth is in content. Second of all, truth is opposed to falsehood. And thirdly, truth is defined as the Word of God. Let's take a look at this first meaning here. Truth is in the context. When Satan attacks me, it's important that, first of all, I have on this belt of truth, that I know what truth is. Why? Because if I don't understand the truths of God's Word, Satan's craftiness will cause me to be tossed to and fro. And trust me, there's a lot of people being tossed to and fro in this world today. All because they don't understand the truth of the Word of God. They don't know Jesus, who is truth. Therefore, they can't know the truths of the Word of God. And as a result of it, folks, we're being tossed to and fro just like a ship in an ocean in a typhoon. And let me tell you, that's not fun. I've been in one before. And it isn't fun at all. You see, and, and he, he will cast these lies my way because, again, he's the liar and the father of it. And that's what he is. That's what he does. Ephesians 4.14, if you want to flip back to that. Ephesians 4.14. 4, uh, Won't you see something else Paul said here? In other words, we're to know the truth. We're to understand the truth. We're to know our Bible for this purpose. Verse 14, Ephesians 4, that henceforth we will no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Do you think there's a lot of people being tossed to and fro today? I'll guarantee you there is. That's why we see this world in the shape that it's in. Look, the key to this passage here is wind of doctrine. Wind of doctrine. You see, the word doctrine is teaching. That's what it means. So Paul is saying here this. Satan will come and he'll promote certain teachings which are cunningly, deceiving, crafty doctrines of demons. And folks, I suggest to you this morning that the doctrines that are being spread in this world today and especially this United States today are doctrines of the devil. And people, even in our churches, has bought into it. And the reason they've bought into it is because they do not understand truth. They do not understand what the Bible has to say. In other words, he'll bombard you with the wiles of falsehoods. And the only way you can resist the falsehoods, uh, falsehoods and the lies of the devil is to know the truth that's why it's so important for us to teach the truth of the word of god you know a lot of people won't stay in a church very long if the truth of the word of god is being taught and the reason they won't is because it goes against their lifestyle it goes against what they desire to do it goes against the lifestyle they choose to live okay now look here if we're going to understand the truth, it must be the Word of God and the Word of God only. In other words, we can't add anything to it if we're going to understand the truth. Okay? It can't be the Word of God plus the Book of Mormon. 
It can't be the Word of God plus the watchtower. It can't be the Word of God plus self-help books. It can't be the work of, uh, Word of God plus how to win friends and influence people. It's got to be the Word of God. And the Word of God only because only the Word of God is true. There are too many Christians today who are falling in the trap of mixing the Word of God with other forms of so-called truth where really there is no other form of so-called truth. Look, rather than taking the Bible alone, many people today are trying to merge uh, the, 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 the divine viewpoints of the Bible with human viewpoints of psychology and sociology and self-help techniques. It does not work that way. Look, they are trying to solve the problems in their life, not by Christ alone but by Christ plus something else. And if you add anything to the truths of the Word of God, listen to me, if you add anything to the truths of the Word of God, you now have falsehoods. Okay? It don't mix, like oil and water. So what is the belt of truth? Let's look at this. If we're to understand the belt of truth for us today, let's begin, first of all, with what the belt was that Paul was referring to in his day. You see, the belt was, it was uh, about a six, eight inch leather, made out of leather. And it would go around the person's waist, okay? It was made of leather. It would go around their waist. It was, you know, used to, it, it had a buckle just like pretty much what our belts have today, you know, and it had these metal straps that kind of hung down in front of the man in order to protect him. Now, the belt may be listed as the first, or the belt may be listed as the first because it is probably the most important part of the armor. Here's why, okay? Here's why. It was the key component for everything else to be held in place. First of all, the belt was used to hold the baggy tunics, which when the war with the armor, you know, were tucked in so they wouldn't trip over it while they was running. In other words, they had these long tunics on, and they had the belt around them, okay? And when it was time to go into battle, what they would do is take that tunic, and they would stick all four corners in that belt so they would be able to run and they would be able to fight without tripping on it. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can make this come out right. It don't matter if it comes out right or not. Y'all know me. Have you ever noticed these thugs that steal? And they got their baggy pants hanging down all the way to their knees. You ever seen them? You ever seen them try to run? What they got to do when they run is grab their britches and pull it up to take off running. Because with the britches down to around their knees almost, you know, they're going to trip and fall. Well, the tunic was basically the same thing. In order for them to have the freedom of their legs to run and to fight, they would tuck it in the belt there in order to hold it up. So in battle, they had these long tunics. They would take the four corners. They'd fold it underneath in order to free their legs up in order to not get tangled up. That's the key word. In order to not get tangled up. This was also called girding the loins. You've heard that phrase, girding the loins. That's what it's talking about. Here in Ephesians 14, probably the most literal translation, uh, translation of this verse would be, standing therefore, having girded your loins with truth. 
In other words, pulled your tunic up, stuck it in your belt in order that you would not trip during your battle. Hmm. Okay? Keep that in mind. The belt of truth holds up anything and all things that will trip us up in this everyday battle. The belt also had other purposes beyond girding the loins. The belt kept a, a breastplate. In other words, they had put on the breastplate, and then they would put the belt around the bottom of the uh, breastplate, which held the breastplate in place. So if the belt place, uh, belt breastplate was not held securely, you know, it would expose all the vital organs, which could in turn cause death to the person so the belt the tunic stuck in it in order to so they would not be tripped up the breastplate it went around the breastplate in order to keep it from flopping around and maybe even coming up to where they could get stabbed and the third thing here is the belt held the sheath for the sword or the dagger so not only did the belt hold the tunic to keep them from stumbling tripping falling it held the breastplate in place so, you know, it would protect the vital organs. But it also had a place for their sword to go. Now, you see the importance of this, okay? It was his belt that his sword hung on and made readily available to him. So if a soldier forgot to put on his belt before going into the battle, his tunic would trip him. His breastplate would not be held securely in place. And his sword would drop to the ground because there would be nothing there to hold it. In other words, folks, listen to me. This first piece of armor we're looking at, this belt of truth, holds everything else in place. And if you do not put on the belt of truth, the Word of God, it don't matter if you put on the other armor because it's made ineffective. It's made ineffective. So this is vitally important. Because of all these things, the belt was the most important piece of the soldier's armor. And I'm sure that if you ask any police officer what is the most important part of their, uh, of their uniform or the most important piece of their uniform, they would say the belt. And let me tell you why they would say the belt. Because the belt holds their weapon, their gun, it holds their taser, it holds extra ammo, it holds handcuffs, it holds the radio, it holds keys, it holds a flashlight, it holds a nightstick if they carry a nightstick. All of that is what? In their belt. Everything they need is held by the belt. You see, so the belt is a very important piece of the armor probably the most important piece that our commander-in-chief makes available to us. But what does all that mean for you and me in the, as soldiers in God's army? You see, a belt for the Christian will place all other pieces of armor right at our fingertips. Again, going back to the analogy of a police officer, with that belt around him, everything's right there. It's just right there at his disposal. Whatever he needs. If he needs his taser, he's got his taser. If he needs his uh, pistol, he's got his pistol. If he needs his nightstick, it's there. If he needs his radio, it's hanging right there to call for help. And folks, again, the belt of truth is our probably our most important piece of armor that God gives us. So, to talk about the belt for the Christians, let's just take the way the soldiers use their belt to discover the similarities that are there between it and truth. Paul says 
This is the belt of truth. Therefore, this is the first and vital piece of armor for the Christian in this spiritual battle we're in. Whatever spiritual battle you're going in today, if you're not in the Word of God, if you haven't surrounded yourself with the truths of God's Word, you're not going to make it. You're going to be a casualty of this spiritual battle. To stand strong in this battle, folks, you must know the truth. We must live the truth. And the only way that the rest of the armor will stay on place, the only way that we're going to be protected in this battle is to make sure, first of all, we put on this belt of truth. Because the belt of truth, again, it keeps the breastplate tight. It keeps the tunic up. It keeps, you know, so that you, you're not tripped up as you're in this battle. It also provides you with a place to keep your sword. So without the, base, the belt of truth, it's easy for you and for me to be tripped up by Satan's lies. Remember, he's a liar and the father of it, right? And if you do not understand the truth, you're going to be tripped up by his lies. You're going to fall for his lies, and you're going to be a casualty in this battle. So that's just it. You see, it also provides you with a place, like I said, to keep your sword so you can fight with it. And without the belt, belt of truth, you're going to believe the lies of Satan. Lies, no matter how big or small, they destroy lives. I want you to think about that. Have you ever been lied about and it destroyed you? Satan's a liar, folks. He's the father of it. And if you cannot combat him with the truth of the word of God, he's going to destroy you. He is going to destroy you. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he lied to Eve. And that one lie that Eve believed, do you know what? It has affected mankind even today. That's how lies can destroy one lie thousands of years ago has destroyed you and me today folks he's a liar and the father of it look you can't afford to have areas of deception in your life just as with a belt you can't afford to have a broken belt or a belt with weakness truth like a belt to be effective must be it must completely surround you front and back right and left must be strong enough to hold up everything so how do we do this? How can we put on this belt of truth? Paul does say several times in this verse, uh, in this verses here to put on this whole armor of God. So how does a Christian, how do you and I, you know, put on this first piece of armor, this belt of truth? How do we know truth and how do we live by truth? You see, putting on the belt will allow us to utilize truth. Now, look, if you want to put on this first piece of armor, we need to surround ourselves and we need to dig into, we need to dive into the Word of God. Proverbs 6, 21 says this, The good life comes from taking the truth of the Bible and binding it in your heart, tying it around your neck. Think about it when we walk. Think about it when we sleep. Think about it when we wake up. That is saturating yourself with the Word of God. The Word of God shouldn't just be a Sunday morning part of your life. 
And a sad thing, I would be willing, this is just my own personal opinion, I would be willing to say that 80% of the people within our churches throughout the United States of America, the only time they pick up their Bible is on Sunday morning when the preacher says, turn to. Six days a week, they never crack open the Bible. And they wonder why they're defeated in this spiritual battle. If you're going to put on this belt of truth, folks, it's got to be a daily thing. A daily time in the Word of God. Not just on Sundays. It's got to be more than that. You know, it must be an everyday part of our life. You know, we've got to be saturated with the truth. The problem is many within our churches have become satisfied with just a little word of God dripping off their lips. And what I mean by dripping off their lips, oh, I can quote John 3.16. You know, my six-year-old can quote John 3, 16, la-di-da. See, that's just the Word of God dripping off your lips. But are you saturated with the Word of God? Are you in it every day? And listen, if you're not, expect to lose some battles in your daily life. Because this belt of truth is what's going to hold all the other pieces of armor we'll look at over the next few weeks. And, and that's why many believers fall for the lies of Satan. Because they don't know what the truth is. And listen to me. He is very convincing. He convinced Eve. And he convinces us. Because he's so good at it. Why is he so good at it? Because he's the father of lies. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And that is why many believers fall for the, uh, the lies of Satan because their belt of truth is not strong enough to go into battle. You see, we put the belt of truth on by putting on the Word of God, taking in the Word of God. It, you know, it's Paul's picture here, putting on the belt, surrounding yourself with the Bible. Again, the belt what? It surrounds us. So we have to surround ourselves with the Word of God. And this is done by reading the Bible, studying the Bible, listening to sermons from pastors who teach the truth of the Bible. Okay? You know, and regularly and faithfully attending church where the Bible is being taught. Attending a Bible study, memorizing passages of Scripture. How did Jesus, you know, uh, uh, go against Satan in the wilderness? You remember? Every time Satan would throw a lie out there, he'd say, oh, the Word says, Scripture saith." And if you're going to win these everyday battles, okay, you need to know what the Bible says. So when Satan brings that pretzel to you, the pretzel I'm talking about here is the twisted Word of God, you can say, no, 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 no. That's not what it says. And you can tell him what it says. That's the way Jesus defeated him, folks. Look, putting on the belt of truth is putting on the truth of the Bible, keeping it close by, understanding what it says, knowing what it teaches. Then and only then, you know, when you have put on the Word of God and allowed it to gird your loins, hold that breastplate secure to your chest, and provide a place for you to carry your sword when you go in the battle, only then will you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look, the reason many Christians today are ineffective, okay, in their Christian walk, 
I want you to just bring this personally. Be honest with yourself and see if this, you know, describes you. The reason so many Christians today are ineffective in their spiritual warfare is because they have not committed themselves fully to the Word of God. Fully to the Word of God, which alone, the Word of God, okay, is sufficient to prepare them for every situation in life. Does that describe you? Be honest with yourself, you know. Don't answer me. Answer God. Are you saturating yourself with the Word of God? Are you committed to the Word of God? Do you have a daily time to where you say, I'm going to give this, I don't care if it's five minutes to the Word of God. Ten minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. I'm going to learn truth so that when Satan comes at me with these lies, I'll know it's a lie. I'll know it's a lie. Look, as we put on the belt of truth in closing here, as we found in the Word of God, answers to many of life's problems are going to be found. Whatever problem you're having right now, the answer's in the Word of God. Satan is going to take the problems you're having in life right now. First thing he's going to do is try to get you to question your identity in Christ. <laughs> if you was really a Christian... You're, you're, you're telling me you're a Christian. God would not allow his people to go through what you're going through. So how can you say you're a Christian? What are you going to do when he tells you that? Roll over and play dead? You see, if you know the truths of God, you know that all things work together for the good to those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. Yes, what I'm going through may not be a good situation, but God's going to take what I'm going through and mix it with other things in order to make it effective in my life. Let me tell you a story. When we were, before I took this church, we took two years out of the ministry because, you know, the first church I was at, I was at 12 and a half years, and I just needed to rest after that. So we took two years off, and I worked with the youth. Me and Debbie worked with the youth there, and... Uh, I think it was during vacation Bible school one year. To give you this analogy here, I lined the kids up, and we was talking about how all things work together for the good. Every situation is not good. There's some bad situations. But the Scripture says all things work together for the good. So I lined some kids up, <coughs> put a blindfold on them, and I had one little tub of thing, or one little bowl of, the, uh, uh, I had four or five little bowls. One of them had sugar in it. The first one I gave a spoonful of sugar and said, is that good? Yeah, that's good. The next one I gave a spoonful of flour. <laughs> they spit that out. That ain't no good. Another one I gave a spoonful of bacon powder. Okay. Another one, I gave a spoonful of salt. Only one that was good was the sugar. And here's what I taught them through this. All of those things in and of themselves were not good. The bacon powder was not good. The flour was not good. The salt was not good. But when you take those things, mix them all together in a bowl, add a little milk, stir it up good, and then put it in the oven 
for a certain amount of time. An hour, okay. Put it in the, put it in the oven for about an hour. What comes out? A cake. Is the cake good? If you've done it right, it is, okay. Yes, the cake is good. Now, what made that cake good? Was it the baking powder in and of itself? No. Was it the flour in and of itself? No. Was it the sugar in and of itself? No. What made it good was all things working together and then placed in an oven, okay? And what came out was good. Listen to me. Listen to me in closing. Everything that happens to you in life is not going to be good. But as God mixes it all together and places you in an oven, places you in an oven, put, put you in a little heat, okay? What's going to come out is going to be good. What's going to come out is being good. Not all things, but working together and letting God run you through the fire is going to cause some good things to happen in your life. So right now, maybe you're just tasting the baking powder. <laughs> right now, maybe you're just tasting the flour or the salt. But let God do his work in your life and run you through that oven for an hour. Thank you, Timbo. For an hour. And then bring you out and see what he's made of you. Don't believe the lies of Satan that this wouldn't be happening to you if you was a Christian. That's a lie from the father of lies. Look, Paul told us to put on this belt of truth. And where can we find the truth? If it's not found in the Bible, there is no other place. The truth is only in the Word of God. Either the Bible is your foundation for all of life, or you have no foundation at all. Either you take your authority from the Bible, or you have no authority at all. Now, what we've talked about here this morning applies to the Christian, the person who has given their heart and their life over to Jesus Christ, those who know Christ as their personal Savior, those who one day realize that they're lost. And if they was to die that day, they wouldn't go to heaven. They would go to hell, a place prepared for the devil and his angels. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, what we talked about, you, you'll never understand the truth of the Word of God. It's only for his people, his children. So maybe today, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, we're going to have a song of invitation here in just a moment. When we do, if, if you just got questions or whatever, I want to invite you to come up during that invitation as soon as we start singing. But child of God, if you feel like you're going through the fire right now, if you feel like, you know, Satan is just dumping every weapon he has upon you, maybe you just need to get down here at this altar and cry out to God. God, give me the grace I need to let you put me in the oven. Give me the ability to stay in that oven as long as it takes because I know when you bring me out, you're going to have made something good of these circumstances in my life. Child of God, maybe you just need to do that. Let's go to God in prayer at this time. <clears throat> Father, God.